Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hi everybody and welcome to the Feckit Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. It's another beautiful day here in the UK and I hope it's as lovely wherever you are in the world. In today's episode I want to talk a little bit about how in recovery it can really help to take an environmental survey, if you like, of all the things that you see, notice or hear in your day-to-day life possibly even down to the people you spend time with, to make sure that your environment is set up to stimulate you into recovery positive directions and away from the old disordered brain pathways and habits that your brain is so used to following. So any habit that we have in life becomes a habit when it's triggered off in our brain, no longer requiring conscious effort on our part As our brain has followed that path so many times now, it just takes us there automatically so that the conscious part of your brain is free to focus on and think about other things. So it's helpful for your brain to put behaviours and thoughts into those habitual pathways so that it frees up space to focus on other things in life. And any habit that we have in our lives will be triggered off by something. And often that something is something in our immediate environment. For example, using non-eating disorder examples, you might automatically feed the cat because it's something that you always do first thing in the morning when you see the empty cat bowl. You don't think about it, you just do it because you've been doing it at that time of day on seeing that empty bowl for a long time now. Or perhaps you might have a friend who you meet in a coffee shop once a week and you both go and sit in the same seats automatically because that's where you have always sat and it's now habitual to do so for both of you because you are in that particular coffee shop and those seats are available. There's no longer any conscious thought involved in where you're gonna go and sit. So in all types of ways, our environment triggers our habits, which can be thoughts or behaviors. And that's why in eating disorders, people talk about triggers a lot, as there can be something that happens in their environment that their brain has recognised as an automatic and unconscious trigger for a certain disordered habit or pattern, and they've followed that disordered habit or pattern before they even realise they've done so because of that particular trigger. But I am going to put in the caveat here, to say that you feel triggered in eating disorder recovery is something that's different. If you are feeling triggered, but you haven't actually been triggered yet to go through with the disordered behavior, then you have that conscious awareness of that trigger and you can still choose not to follow the disordered pathway. A genuine trigger for a habit is so automatic that there is no conscious awareness involved until perhaps it's too late. Although, again, if you have been triggered into a disordered habit and then realise after, so for example, making the automatic restrictive choice in your food decision, 
as soon as you become consciously aware that that's what you've done, you can still divert back to the recovery-focused options again. It's never too late. But all this little introduction is to say that things in your environment can and will be automatically triggering your disordered behaviours, your disordered food choices and thought patterns. And so in recovery, it can make a huge difference to how successful you are with your recovery if you can look at your environment and work out what's triggering the disordered pathways to fire up into action in your brain. Then you do all you can to remove those triggers from your environment. Because at the end of the day, recovery is hard enough as it is, and neural rewiring is incredibly hard work. So you need to do everything you can to allow it to be easier for your brain, and ultimately for yourself, to get through these tough times by making those environmental adjustments so that the things you see and hear each day and the people around you all prompt you into necessary recovery positive thoughts and action. So what exactly can you do to ensure that your environment supports you to rewire in your eating disorder recovery? What can you do in your environment so that it triggers you to take the recovery positive behaviours or thoughts? Well, first of all, and perhaps one of the most obvious, is to fill your house with lots of food. And I am talking about calorie-dense, yummy foods here too. Get rid of your old, restrictive, safe foods. Fill your house with the delicious, recovery-positive foods that you know you want to eat. And if you've got them in the house, you have no excuses not to push yourself to eat them and to keep eating them. And if you've got rid of your old, safe foods, you can't be triggered into immediately going for what feels safe and what feels habitual and right to you. The other thing is to put food by your bed. So if you do wake in the night hungry, you can reach for it or you can grab it first thing in the morning to get you on the right recovery positive track for the day ahead. If you wake in the night hungry, there's no excuses not to eat something if the food's there by your bed. One thing that I think is really key for a lot of people is to get rid of any fitness things around the house. Give away or at the very least hide things like trainers or sports clothes, fitness equipment if you've got it, anything that's likely to tempt you automatically into engaging in those old movement or exercise compulsions. Just get it out of your vision, get it out of your home You don't need that stuff there triggering you into wanting to exercise or walk or engage in movement. And while you're getting rid of all the trainers and fitness equipment, also give away or hide or smash the scales. You don't need scales to tell you what your value is in this world. You're not a number and you don't need to be triggered by watching the numbers change on a set of scales when those numbers mean nothing in relation to how you are really doing with your recovery. Because at the end of the day, your recovery is about your mental state and not your weight on a set of scales. And that applies to the kitchen scales as well, I'm afraid. If you're really going to be eating without any restriction, you don't need to weigh your food to do that. You really don't. So get rid of the kitchen scales. You don't need them. 
And wherever you can, I would suggest that you also surround yourself by people who are normal eaters as much as you possibly can. And if you don't have happy and normal eaters at home, then go and find some. Sit in coffee shops or somewhere where people are naturally just sitting, eating and relaxing. Watch them, you know, see how they eat, what they do, how relaxed and chilled they are around food. And just let your brain learn that it's normal just to eat cake whenever you want to eat cake or to have huge cheese toasties or whatever it is. And an added benefit to having people around you who are normal eaters is that social engagement is also known to help neuroplasticity. So you get a double hit of things that are going to help you with your recovery there. One thing I did in my recovery, and I think a lot of people do find it helpful, is to put up notes or memes for yourself around the house or in your immediate environment. And that could include your screensaver, as another example, on your computer or on your phone. And those notes or memes can be constant reminders of what you need to do and why for your recovery. And make sure that they are personal and meaningful to you. So they really do speak to you when you're in that highly agitated, highly anxious state and might just help then for you to notice them and motivate you when you are really doubting yourself in terms of your recovery. And the other thing I think that is really recovery positive to do is to turn part of your house, maybe in your lounge, maybe your bedroom, anywhere you can find a bit of sacred space and turn it into a nest that's inviting and cosy. Imagine that you're a little animal that's going to be hibernating. You're going to be tucking yourself up somewhere to relax that's cosy and warm, where you can squirrel yourself away, lots and lots of food, and you can curl up in there. So build yourself a little nest that's, as I say, inviting and cosy, as a sacred and calming space to relax and hunker down with food, And maybe, you know, perhaps a bit of good old Netflix or other streaming services are, of course, available. And if you're into social media, which I know a lot of you are, just clear out your social media accounts so that you're not following people who are fitness or dieting influencers or people who are just plain triggering or disordered in their content. You know who they are. You know what's upsetting you when you see it. Just follow the eating disorder recovery, body positive or health at every size accounts, or just find some accounts about fluffy penguins to look at instead, which I can only imagine are much more fun because I don't think that penguins really care about body weight or shape. And you just need things that are going to relax your mind or just stimulate you towards the recovery positive directions. So do a little bit of a clear out of your social media accounts. And I know it's difficult, but also consider who you spend time with, not just in terms of online social media world, but also in the real world. Because being around people who are into dieting, who are into exercise and bodybuilding, and generally those who are heavily influenced by diet culture, is going to be really hard when you're trying to forget all those diet culture messages for your recovery and for your healthy future. And if you really can't stop seeing those people while you are focused on recovery, 
then see if you can at least ask them to not talk about diet or exercise or weight loss topics in your presence. Although, of course, if they do and you can ignore it and get on with recovery despite all their diet nonsense, then at the end of the day, you're going to be pretty recovery bulletproof. And then when you do go out food shopping, avoid the sections of the supermarket that have the diet products or the sections of the supermarket where your usual safe foods are located. Just don't go down those aisles or just avoid those sections of the aisle. And instead start frequenting the sections that have the foods that terrify you the most and make yourself buy them. And then of course, make yourself eat them. And there are many more ideas that I could probably add to this list and there are many more things that you could probably find in your environment applicable to you and your recovery. So the key here is to spend some time looking at what's in your environment, whether it's your offline environment, your online environment, inside your house, outside your house, at work, at school, whatever it is. Take a good environmental survey for yourself and make changes to ensure everything is really set up to optimise your best chances to choose the recovery positive behaviours and foods each and every time. And then just go and do it. Get into recovery, be in recovery, stay in recovery. I'm Heli. I hope that's helped. If you want to know more about my coaching, you can find me on www.helibarnes.com and otherwise I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.